Overstuffed burritos. They suck. Oh. Like, I don't know if they suck. I kind of like overstuffed burritos. It doesn't suck as much as decon, right? Well, you know, nowadays decon doesn't have to suck as much, especially if you're using uh, first-line technologies, hybrid decon. They are absolutely revolutionizing the decon process with their bar method of blot, apply, and remove using wet and dry decon. No more rigging hoses and finding large enough areas to set it all up. This compact, toss it in the back of your fire buggy is the key. Hmm, but don't listen to us. Do your own recon on Decon at MakeDeconSuckLess.com or visit them at FirstLineTech.com. FirstLine Technologies is making Decon suck a little less. Shanene. What's going on, everybody? Episode 403, second part of the chips for a good training facility. I'm here with Mike. Hi, Mike. Hi, Bob. How are you? I'm doing delightful. I'm still warm. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, so we were we were talking yeah. about questions that we need to be asking ourselves when we are setting up a, uh, a good classroom, right? What, what are our needs? We talked about the, the classroom version, and we can talk a little bit about our, our hands-on. Um, and one of the questions that we want to ask ourselves when we're trying to create what it is that we want out of, a, out of a facility is, are our needs static or do they fluctuate? And what I mean by this is, is the training facility we going to use to, to teach the exact same thing over and over again? Or will it be a host for a variety of different classrooms and activities? Uh, this question really allows us to dive into the layout of the facility, uh, from the logistics of the equipment to the hands-on activities, and even something as simple as where am I getting water, where am I getting electric, am I using compressed air, where am I getting it from? So if you're just starting to build your facility or you're in the process of reorganizing it, you really need to understand what your needs are and how those needs might change as you start to mature and grow in your facility because you don't want your initial layout to be permanent. Um, you may have to scrap the whole thing and start over again. So it really is best to set up your facility uh, to make it as, well, how would you say, like fluid, changeable, well, uh, non-permanent as possible. It's, it takes a lot of time and effort to set up, let's say, a lab setting, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> I've seen uh, labs that are good right and they get tired very quickly because the whole lab setting thing evolves very quickly like you know homemade explosives like the one we were using at home mm -hmm. was one that they were still talking about like the nokia 5310 phone Wait, which is like the one in your basement or the the one at the cut that cut that all right um <laughs> no, the one, like, I mean, the Nokia, like, remember the non-flip phone? Yes, that, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could frame a house with the thing. It was so tough. They're, they're way past that. Like, they're using Bluetooth technology, and they're using – so, like, do you build a scenario or a set? How often do you think you have to update it? Is it periodically, or do you think you need to, like, kind of do a little bit more and stay on top? Because, again, with more updates needs more people and more manpower – 
pouring into that. Right. Like uh, another great example is the fact that we have binary chemicals as a legitimate threat in uh, in our arsenal. And I don't I think that once everybody, at least where we were, has, you know, created those initial like bio explosive labs, nobody added on to it. Nobody went, oh, here's what you need to see in case they're trying to create a binary weapon. Right. It's I think your mileage will, will vary. Your what? Your mileage may vary on, on those things because, like, props are great, but props have to be constantly updated. Yes. Uh, especially, like, like for example, we're obviously we're at First Line Technologies, and um, they got a great, um, what do you call it, the Winnebago? The Winnebago, that's that side. And uh, it, it's, it's great. Uh, but does it have to be updated every once in a while? Yeah. I mean, you're going to have to, you know, put a couple of, I'm not saying even dollars, but like, you know, freshening up the bottles. Like sometimes the bottles, the P, uh, you know, the P-Touch label kind of falls well, off. Well, or- and you have to stay on top of what it is that the current threat is, right? If, if you go back there and they have a, a, a setup that would be the method of doing meth or making meth 10 or 15 years ago right. and doesn't incorporate the new methods, then as great as the props are and as great as everything is, your training is outdated. And that is going to come off to the, to the students uh, to be like, well, wait a second, this, this hasn't been used in 10 years. Why are we practicing on stuff that is ancient technology? Not here, obviously. No, I'm not saying that at all. But what we are saying is that you also have to keep an eye on like local or even state or even federal regulations of what what is required for training in just that locale or for that type. So for many of the hazmat trainings out there, there are lesson plans and required tasks uh, that are set forth by either NFPA or your city, state, federal, whatever the hell it might be. So. I'll give you two examples, uh, and probably extreme examples is like New York State uh, doesn't really have anything to say about what is required at a training facility for hazardous materials. However, California is so over the top with the requirements for a not only the location, but the methodology of delivering that stuff, that it's down to like the number and the type and the piece of equipment to be considered to be acceptable as a training facility. They seriously have a laundry list of things that if you show up to a parking lot and don't have all of it, and you come down and they'll come down and audit you, if you don't have all of it, you're gonna get dinged. And you get dinged enough and they'll decertify you as a, as a training facility. So what, what we're saying is you can have a clan lab thing, but if it doesn't check off all the boxes that you need for whatever venue you're doing, then be a little bit more careful about picking that method be a little more selective. Yeah. Now, let's dive into a little bit the concepts between portable and stationary type of training facilities. Mm-hmm. If you're in a stationary training facility, more than likely, uh, you're not alone in your your training world, right? There aren't a lot of stationary hazmat training facilities out there. So you have to kind of set your stuff up and at the same time play nicely in the sandbox. Um, you know, it, it's... I wouldn't say it's a stretch at all to say that hazmat is the redheaded stepchild of the fire service. Uh, And as little percentage that hazmat takes up in our job description, it can take a disproportionately huge footprint in any training facility. So the ability to play nicely in that sandbox is probably one of the largest challenges for a stationary facility because they have to compete with fire training, tactical training, EMS training, special operations training, all are going to require space. You know what's funny is um, 
and I know I've said this before, but like everybody has their own take on that training. For example, decon, mm-hmm. um, PD, military, fire, EMS all have different thought patterns when they go through decon, right? So like maybe switching just as simple as the roles for a stationary thing could be like, all right, now, now pretend you're a cop and address things like uh, put on the cop mentality. It's a very different day for you. Right. Or vice versa. Like, okay, now you're not doing force pro and now you're doing, you know, like actually running the decon line or actually going down to mitigate or whatever, stepping out of your role in a, in a static thing in a stationary uh, position could expand the amount yeah of flexibility and we have to you know just kind of popped into my head you have to if you have a stationary facility you have to you you have to figure out in your training what part of the the, that facility is going to hinder your training and and here's a a perfect example right um we teach uh when we were both with with the, the the city we taught in a very large and good training facility and it had a tremendous amount of logistical help, a lot of people there mm. for, for helping. So we would do decon training. And there was more than enough people to, or donning and doffing PPE. You know, there were more than enough people that were not actual students, but they were logistic guys. And they would help them get dressed. And they would help put their boots on. And they would help put their things on. And then when people went out into the real world to do that, they didn't have 30 logistics guys standing over them helping put their mask on, helping take it off. They had to do everything themselves. So because of the, the because the facility was so well um, staffed, we actually hindered the training of specific events. So you have to you have to take it. You have to take that into account. There was more minions than, than students. There were. There were. And that that reflected you would think that that was a great thing, but it actually reflected very poorly on, you know, field operations because guys would be like, well, who's putting my boots on? And it's like, well, there's nobody here to put the boots on. But you yeah. put your own boots on. <laughs> um which brings us to this, uh, you know, the ever-expanding training facility. And it's not uh, – I'm not saying this is in a well, – although it could be um, a geographic ex- uh, expansion. But usually what happens is, you know, with turnover of schools or different admins and chiefs come and go and promotions and retirements um, and that kind of stuff, you know, they tend to want the new shiny – Oh, I want this. I want that. And then it evolves, and then that guy gets promoted and retired or whatever. And now the next guy wants the next new shiny thing. And we abandon perfectly good running um, props or whatever in search of the new shiny. Right. And you leave like a wasteland of deteriorating props that could have had a lot longer life if proper care was made yeah that that we actually see that a lot in a lot of different training facilities where it's like oh yeah well we used to have this but we just kind of like let it go because nobody was using it and it's like man that 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 sucks either get rid of it and clear the space out uh or continue using it continue to use what may seem like oh you know we've been doing the same training prop forever well it doesn't have to be new to be good to get something out of it. You're refreshing information, and if this works, then keep it and keep it in your system. Right. Now, when we go away from portable training, uh, when we go away from stationary training, we start looking at portable training, right? This is... Well, I mean, before that, I mean, you know, 
Speaking of training. Oh, we could speak of training all day long. You know, we could talk about training. Uh, yeah, if you really want to talk about training, yeah, you really want to I unlock I want to your team's potential, you should be reaching out to us for some training. Great idea. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of different reasons why you should be looking to us as your training partners. Expertise. Stop sentence right there, period. Yeah. We, we have... Yeah, okay, you told me to stop the sentence. I'll I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> um, we can take a look at your team's structure, their abilities, and what their challenges are, and we can tailor a training program specifically for your needs. Right, and we have the cutting edge technology and the tools. We stay up to date on everything because we have to if we want to stay in front of you on the microphone. I make myself laugh all the times. We are engaging, funny, and interactive. You make yourself laugh, and that's fun. That's all that matters. That's good. But we have this lifelong learning mindset. We adapt, innovate, and thrive in an ever-changing world. So don't let your potential go untapped. Choose us as your training partner and embark on a personal and professional growth journey. Come to the hazmatguys.com slash hire us and get yourself on your journey for experience and transformation and goodness and love. Mm. Mm. Anyway, we were saying. So if we're going to take that idea of training uh, and bring it to now a portable type of training, and we can see this even in an interdepartmental uh, type of setting where, you know, there's a uh, small training uh, core within a department that's going to go train at various firehouses. So it doesn't matter whether you're trying to do this from a company point of view or you're trying to do this from a department point of view or an outside agency point of view. Uh, Stationary training facilities... They have their challenges, but let me tell you, portable training facilities, those issues are compounded. All of the issues and the problems are almost compounded tenfold. Storage becomes a premium. Layout of your demonstration equipment becomes a premium. The logistics of everything, uh, getting them there and setting it up becomes a problem. Even creating the most realistic training scenario possible in a minimalist fashion are a sample of some of the challenges that are faced by portable systems. I personally like portable systems. However, in that, I mean, you can go to the stream of like, I want it so portable I can fly with it. And like the entire operation is flight ready. And then you can go to the point where like, I need a tractor to pull this trailer. I have so many props. Right. And yeah, you can't be extravagant with like structures and everything, but there's, there's gotta be some type of, um, meet in the middle point where it's wow this is resettable it's cool enough but compact enough that's a hard mix I, I like i like the portable i like the idea of the portable training facility i like it because it changes it changes the scenario it changes the the operation um, everything becomes a little more thinking for the student where is if I have a stationary facility, right? I know. All right. So I'm going to set up, say, a uh, God forbid somebody were to set up like a, a wet decon um, with all the different decons that are out there. But I know instinctively in a, in a set facility, I know where my water is coming from. I know where my hydrant is, right? There's a lot less thinking involved. If I can create a scenario, if I can drive somebody to do something in a place that they've never done it before, Mm -hmm. that makes it just that more realistic. They have to now, it may not be the same challenges, but there are challenges they have to work through outside of their normal. Are you saying, are you saying a training facility or an offsite like evolution? anything, any kind of portable training facility, right? So if I, uh, you, you know, we have the like the, 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 the G-Weeks where we take 
guys out into the field right. and do training there. That's still considered portable, right? What are some of the logistic nightmares that we have in trying to get equipment in those facilities? And then we also have other um, places that, or other times, that we have a, a tremendous amount of equipment that is portable that is dropped off to us for us to use. I would even throw in there um, off-site local chemical facilities or walkthroughs walkthroughs these are and i would put that under the the portable moniker saying that hey listen this is something and this is a good uh, i know we just talked about this in the last couple episodes is like getting out there and talking to your local assets because you don't know what they have in there we, we didn't we just talk about this we did like, yep last episode or yep. two episodes um they would love to be a training partner with you and to show off what they have, and you can point out, hey, listen, the fact that you have 60,000 gallons of hydrochloric acid with no railing around it, that could be a, a frowned on a thing from an industry, you know, Geico. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let, let me ask, when you do, when you do some of the, the hands-on activities uh, with the, the portable training f- uh, equipment that is at our disposal, what are some of the challenges that you find uh, with the, 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 that portable system that aren't there in a stationary? And what are some of the benefits that you find in a portable system that are not there with the, that are there with a the stationary? I really don't do anything. We just kind of like sit around and talk. <laughs> All right. Um, man, that's a good question. Um, I only ask the, the good ones. The challenges. The challenges are trying to get it to fit and flow in your week in a constant progression. Because we've talked about this before, everything should flow. It should be, you know, crawl, walk, run type operations. But sometimes the schedule of an offsite doesn't coincide with where you are. Mm. Uh, weather, that does not coincide. Yeah, definitely not. You may have to tell everybody jump on your cars and go to that offsite, which means you are now hurting cats. And who knows, because you know how the classes are, you're going to have one or two guys that are going to be like, oh, I had to stop at 7-Eleven on the way, or my mother got sick, or I had to stop in Vegas on the way, something silly like that. Um, and, and that might derail your whole plan. Now, do you wait for those guys to catch up, or do you start the thing and then try to catch them up later? So I, there are pros and cons to everything. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all for anybody. The more stuff that you can keep on site, unlike your training grounds, is great. But the greater your footprint, the more logistics and upgrade. Right. And when we and you know, it's a funny thing about stationary, um, stationary facilities is we often think, well, we have the room, let's fill it up. And I don't mean that in a let's have more props. I literally mean there's a lot of wasted space. Uh, perfect example. One of the training props that I'm thinking about is about the size of a tractor trailer. Okay. Okay. On that tractor trailer, we've got four different rail covers, dome cover operations, level C, level B for chlorine, level A for chlorine, the kits for the chlorine, uh, um, pipe bandaging stuff, and it's all within the space of a tractor trailer. 
if you were to take the same equipment or the same functionality and you go to a stationary place, you would see that dome cover clamp right. on an entire 406, on an entire 407, on an entire rail car. So you have a tremendous amount of space being wasted by stuff that we're not using just because it was part of the initial prop, right? The 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 rail is the rail car is attached to the prop, so it happens to come with it. Uh, and you end up with kind of a, a lot of a lot of waste, although in in reverse aspect there it allows you to operate more realistically. Whereas if I have to go explore the top of a rail car, I'm actually climbing on it with the ladders and the techniques that I would kind of like the, the ancillary, how do you operate around X, Y, and Z? So they both lend to pluses and minuses. You really need to look at what you need to look at what your end goals are in order to figure out which is the best method to go best method to go down. To kind of I, I think to summarize to all of the the people that listen to this, um, if you have questions like uh, about this, I would take the thirty thousand foot view of your training facility and say, you know, use this episode as a, as a roadmap and say, all right, where are we going to push for? Are we going to look for port portability or stationary aspects? Are we going to look for going for the new shiny thing or refurbing the old things? I will tell you, we we pulled out in our school when we were going for the next shiny thing we went back into the old fiber cabinets and pulled out binders and we're like this drill from 1996 was gold why are we not doing it and they're like i don't know so go back into those binders and if you have a great drill now take pictures take detailed notes take diagrams and put it into the file cabinet and in 10 years pull it out and a whole new generation of firefighters or police or military will enjoy that training once again don't make the wheels twice